The winner of Survivor 41, Erica. The winner of Survivor. The winner of Survivor Winners Award, Tony. The winner. It's probably not going to be you, babe. Yeah, honey, I just think you're going to go home tonight. suitcase um actually i think it's three ships coming well then this must only mean <laughs> that survivors season 42 has approached welcome to the first ever episode of i think you're going home i'm daddy kiss marcus and i'm bottom shelf scott uh, we're just two friends a little bit high and <laughs> <laughs> what? It's hot. I know. Oh, my titties are sweating, and I don't have titties. Really surprised? You have hair? I'm gonna wax it tomorrow. No, don't do that. Let's get started with the cast. Okay. So on the Kaku tribe, we have Jackson, Marianne. We misspelled that, I think. Anyways, Jonathan, Lindsay, Omar, and. Mariah. On the Vatu tribe, we have Chanel, Jenny, Lydia, Daniel, Hi, and Mike. And then on the Eco tribe, we have Zach, Tori, Swati, Romeo, and Raya. Oh, yeah. and Rockstar. Rockroy, whatever. <laughs> Rockroy. Ragnarok! <laughs> So, looking at the Taki tribe, what do you think? I would say that Jonathan is probably going to be like Joe, what's his name? The one that came back two times and always gets booted, but first or second at merge, that's going to be Jonathan. He's going to go very early at the merge. Lindsay is probably either going to go really deep into the game or she's going to go in the middle of the game because she's going to be a physical threat. Omar, I don't know. I, I barely remember him. Yeah, he was a little yeah. quiet back. Same with um, Mariah. I barely remember she even exists. And honestly, because her and Lindsay both have such curly hair, I can't tell yeah. the difference. That is right. I can see that. So I just thought it was all um, Lindsay the whole time. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's two of them. So now, what about the Vati tribe? Well, we're just going to skip Chanel because I honestly don't remember she even exists except for her, her one iconic moment. Hopefully that's not her only iconic moment this season because it's not that iconic, which is funny to me. Um, Jenny, I agree with whoever posted on Reddit. She, her shoulders hurt. She is carrying this tribe. Yes. Um, Lydia is somebody that I would probably suffocate in her sleep. Listening to her talk, I'm like, holy fuck, my brain just took a nap. Yeah, um, I would say kind of like, and I, I know that we skipped her, uh, Taki Trout, Marianne, which, by the way, I love. She is the most adorable little thing ever. 
Um, but I feel like you but know, her positivity was a little off-putting at first because yes. nobody should be that happy. Yeah, that's okay. So I'm a little bit afraid that it may be her downfall because mm-hmm. she seems to be on a hundred all the time, and sometimes not everyone in the tribe needs a hundred. No, no, we do not need you to be a morning person at three a.m. No. Absolutely not. Um, Lydia, I think. <clears throat> is more very much what I would imagine Gen Z. Yeah, very. I think she she disclosed that. Well, I mean, yes, but she is literally the stereotype that I imagine of Gen Z yeah. and not the complete stereotypes. And we move on to Daniel. Daniel has such a like very touching backstory. Yes, he does. He does. I don't think that he has the social skills to do well. We yeah, we are going to check on that because at the moment he's okay, but we gotta see. Um, hi and Mike, but first of all, hi, hello there. I was sold the moment that he was like, "Oh my gosh, I've been on such a strict skincare routine." Because I'm like, mm, same, <laughs> and that mud would not be on my face. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, just like, mm, okay, we got one of the girls here. Uh, Mike, I don't know. To me, Mike is like adorable. <clears throat> Even though he said it, he said that people make him seem like he's all big and tough, but he's really not. Like he wants. To like be more open to his team. I was just like, I actually found him very likable, but I would still probably want him to go home first if I was on a trip with him. Just yeah. because Daniel's not threatening and the high isn't, I mean, he might be really strong and challenging to Edge, but Maybe. who knows? But Mike is like the biggest physical threat on that tribe. Mm-hmm. I would honestly want him to go home. I can see that. Now we go over to the Ika, Ika tribe. All right, so we got Zach, Tori, Swati, Romeo, and Rox, Roy, Andrea. Um, right off the bat, for me, for Zach, um, I was a little bit hesitant because I was like, is this going to be a person who thinks he knows everything? I actually was like, oh, wait, you remind me of um, Adam Klein, who won uh, Gen X versus Millennials, Mm. Um, probably minus 10 pounds, Uh, but he just lacked the charm that Adam had, because Adam and him, they seemed to come in kind of in the, like, klutzy, oh, I don't really know how to navigate the situation kind of feel, but Adam had charm that allowed him to build that winning tribe. Yeah. Tori, uh, she seems like she's going to be a little bit of a competition, if not for her strength or for her wit. I feel like it may be for her mouth. I actually really like her. I, she kind of reminds me of Eliza in a way that she has what it takes to be a competitive threat, 
I think she is going to make small errors that take her out of the game, which is what Eliza did both times she played. Swati, um, at the moment, I kind of need more information on her and her strategy. So she's kind of like a... um, just a neutral color to me at this moment, like with the other two that we talked about. I actually thought she was the Purple Kelly of the season, like, so far. I know on Reddit everybody was saying that this is the first episode of American Survivor in a long time where every player got a minimum of two confessionals, which is great Mm -hmm. because it's allowing us to get to know each contestant. She got two confessionals. I couldn't remember any of them. No. Except for that she was a Navy SEAL? Mm, no. Reserve, military reserve. Navy reserve. Or National Guard. National Guard. National That's Guard. what it is. The Navy National Guard. Something like that. I don't know. Anyways, like, that's the only thing that I retained from that entire thing. Even her tribal answer, like, it was funny, but... And also, I think she's the youngest on this season. She's 20. Yeah, she is funny. I am, so I will say her intro really excited me. Like, her intro in the beginning of the episode where she was like, you know, a lot of young girls get voted out really early because they're perceived as weak. And I am excited because she doesn't, she actually seems very capable of competing in challenges, which is great. And Rome is a... Rome, yo. Rome, yo. But they call him Rome. When? I'm pretty sure his name's Romeo. Okay, Romeo. I honestly, actually, for like the first probably 30 minutes, didn't know he existed. So, Romeo is a pageant director. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's all you know. That's all you learn. You don't. He didn't disclose anything else. Not his age. Not his. What he where he lived, none of that. But the pageant director that goes to Survivor, I really want to see the next time he directs a pageant of a motivational speech to the girls about to walk that runway. The only problem for him, I do also agree that he is a strong contender for the game. The problem is is that his tribe performs the worst. And actually, you know, I'm sure everybody's going to be like, oh, it's because there's two really tiny guys on the tribe. But I will say, Roxroy was just, he might as well have been a fifth chest on that boat. Yes. Because, or the fourth and fifth chest, because there were only three. Because he did absolutely nothing. And Drea, like, homegirl <clears throat> powered through. Yes. I was just like, girl, you got She is one of my favorites. And she low-key gives me a Sabri vibe. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that doesn't mean that she won't win because poor Sabri has played four times and still no win. She's come very close. But unfortunately for Drea, I do think that she is too threatening. Yeah. And it's like a big target on her back. Yes. And that's without anybody knowing any of her advantages. Do you know who Roxroy reminds me of? No. The guy um, who used to be a porn star. I don't watch that much porn, Martha. I'm a sweet, innocent old boy. To everyone who is listening, just know that that was a flat-out lie. 
a goddamn lie. <laughs> but it's a photo of a guy who looks exactly like him. He's like stand like sitting off the edge of the bed and like his slong is like all the way to the floor. He reminds me of um I can't remember the name of this basketball player and I just remember this commercial and he's like this shit. Yes, yes, that's it. Yes. That's exactly who he reminds me of. <laughs> Alright, well we're gonna take a break and we're gonna be right back. Martin's has some shit. Yeah, talk about two minutes ago. They got a bathroom on this island. <laughs> And we are back. Marcus finished sitting within nine hours quite fast, but here we are. Well, it's not my fault that you have no wet wipes in your house. That's also false. I have good wipes. Again, as I say, no wet wipes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this episode starts off right with a challenge as soon as they get to the island. It's basically collaborate one how every season starts now where they just compete right off the bat in a like half puzzle half water slash land based challenge competing for food yeah um and it both times it was the same similar puzzle style it was it was but for this this first one um the first that are up to go into this challenge are Daniel from Vati, Jonathan from Top so the first three, they run into the jungle. They have to find this, you know, fish net, untie a paddle, and then move themselves off the fish net onto the ground and race back to their tribe. Anyway, so back to the challenge. Um, so Jonathan reaches the net first. Orion ties her paddle first, but gets taken out twice by her paddles digging into the sand and knocking her to the ground. Daniel dislocates his shoulder. That was it for the first leg. The second leg was Lindsay, Drea, and Kai. They ran off towards the beach rather than in the woods, and they had a decision to make the first twist of the game. And I will say that it was one twist that I just wanted to shower afterwards for what they had to do to make it look real. Basically, it was a note saying that all three team members who were there had to make a decision if to work together or not. So let's call it like a secret, secret alliance. I should have named them there. Just not gonna name themselves. I don't even find that as an alliance. That is true. Anyways, so they all agreed they had to untie 20 knots each and also cover themselves in mud, grass. No, it wasn't grass, it was sand. Just mud, mud sand, sand, and blood. Mud, sand, and These blood. These were optional, and it was just to help make the lie believable. I think they should have left it at mud, because yes. they chose to do blood, and the whole time, 
one of the girls on the Vati tribe was like, oh my gosh, hi, it's so much blood. And she said it like four times. Lydia. <laughs> she was actually concerned. She's like, you're bleeding a lot. Yeah. Are you okay? She's like, oh my God, the mom of the tribe is right there. And she was stoned that day. Well, you know, young people can be moms as well. So once all three teams are back to their uh, original teams on the sand, they must swim out, circle around a buoy. Yes. Not circle around, but just go around it. Oh. Um, go around a buoy and then get bamboo sticks. That are tied off on a swimming platform, like maybe 20 feet, 30 feet away from the buoy. Jonathan takes his team um, very fast. And when I say he's kind of like the season's Hercules a little bit. Yeah, I would say on Reddit that people were comparing him to Augur. Yeah. So, I mean, I will explain the lack of presence in his confessional because I was not lost. It was a very dry confessional for him. He was just a challenge, right? Yeah. <clears throat> So Taku was first in the water, and Taku is also first back on land, but it is the Ika tribe, thanks to Roxroy, who got the flint. Yes. I kept saying, Mariah, he wants to double up those sticks. I don't know. Well, she was working hard at it, too. And I think a high... That, that long lead, that was long... They probably had a 20-minute minimum lead on the other team. I think High had his, but it was just formed weirdly, like at the end it hooked. Yeah, it didn't make any difference. So before uh, breaking off, um, what's presented to the winning tribe is a pot. Lunch and a machete. Yeah. But basic necessities of survival. Yeah. Well, minus the rice. Yeah, I was gonna say minus the rice. Um, Can you imagine Marcus? I'm already hungry. I'm always hungry. <laughs> I'd probably be angry like 45 minutes into it. I'm like, fuck this. I feel that. But before dispersing all of the teams, actually, I think it was all of the teams that dispersed, um, Daniel gets attention to his dislocated shoulder. Yes, and for all of you newbie survivor watchers like Marcus, he made a reference to an epic moment in Heroes vs. Villains, the first challenge, and the villains tribe dislocates the hero Stephanie LaGrosse's shoulder. I actually think it was the first it was not only the first challenge, it was the first leg of that challenge. Like, the really? first one of the leg. Wow. When he said that, I literally thought he was talking about a muscle. And I was just like, okay, smarty pants. Now, on to these backstories. Um, Do we have to? Can we just skip them? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I do like Marianne's backstory. <laughs> the other two, I could care less for. I actually know. I like Daniel's backstory. I yeah. really, really do. He gives me oh, what is that dude's last name? Peter from Marquesas. Like, he 
I just don't know if he is going to be able to integrate socially well enough to do well in the game. Yeah. And in one hour episode, to have three, like, heart-wrenching... Yeah, it was, like, almost back-to-back backstories. Yeah, it was. It was. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Did I sign up to watch an episode of Dr. Phil? Like, we don't have... Not even Dr. Phil. American Idol's uh, Alex Search. <gasps> God damn. Every backstory is just back-to-back. And I'm like, can somebody please sing Domino by Jesse J? <laughs> I just think that they could have used that time more valuably. Or maybe because you're trying to fill so many characters into one hour, maybe hold off on one of those backstories. Exactly. Like, I definitely think this is too much of, like, that kind of, like, backstory for the writing. Yeah. Especially for the first one, I guess. Yeah. Now, on the Ika tribe, um, they start off by introducing themselves. Zach is a student. Drea, she didn't say a lot except for where she lived and that she was a, I think it was at the very beginning of the episode where she said she's like a competition. She does hurdles. Uh, she was talking about when she leaves her kid. Okay. Because she's half blind. Mm-hmm. She didn't really say what she does. Yeah, she didn't. Uh, she just said where she lived when she was born and raised in uh, Texas. Texas. And, and then she lived in Montreal. Yeah. Uh, Rome is a pageant director. Rocks Romeo. Romeo. Romeo is a pageant director. Uh, Rocks Roy is a stay-at-home dad, which I think is going to be his downfall. Come for me if you want to, everyone who's listening, but the way that he treats a lot of his team members is almost the same as what you can probably see how he treats his kids at home. Just saying. Oh yeah, I totally recommend this interview. I was watching the first time that I watched, and I was like, wow, I would not want you to be my dad. No. Swati uh, discloses that she's military, and she wants to be a, almost like a role model for like any young girl that comes in here. But Tori says that she's a caregiver. She's not a caregiver. Better yet. <clears throat> Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson, I can't give you Code blue. Code blue. We have a code one here. Please take care of that. I have to go to survival. <laughs> In the beginning, I was like, oh, yeah, she's definitely going to be pretty smart. And she seems like she was integrating well with the tribe. But I think overall, I would say that she kind of has a little bit of an Eliza vibe now, which. For those of you that have no idea, like Marcus was staring blankly 
uh, was a former contestant that played twice, and she's a very good player, um, but she always somehow mismanages and missteps and does something. And I feel like that might be Tori's downfall, especially because right after they introduce themselves and they start working on camp and stuff, she goes off to a Kipero route yes. by herself. Mistake number one. Mistake number motherfucking one. Once they introduced immunity idols, mistake number one is going off on your own, baby. I had the nerve to come back with like what one little bristle of what I used to get. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. It would be different. I think people would have bought her live. She would come back with like seven. Exactly. Like so. And for those of you who have no idea what Harrowbrew is, it is actually an iconic like edible thing on Survivor because the first season that was one of the few foods that they found on the island. I forget which tribe it was. I want to say it was the Taki tribe. Um, Seahawk, the one that quit all stars. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just remember her iconically like burying bushels of charity at some point in time in my childhood. Now, in the Ika tribe, I wouldn't confirm it as an official alliance, but uh, apparently it's going to be young versus old in one tribe. That's just how they want you to see that in the beginning. I read to you our initial perceptions of all three tribes are going to end up being totally opposite. Yeah, definitely opposite. Now, over with Vati and Taku, once they reach their island, they are um, greeted with a challenge right off the bat. Again, not a big one, just more of a puzzle. It's the same one that they did last season, only a little different. So last season, you had the choice between these two tasks, filling the five-gallon barrel with seawater or solving the triangle puzzle. Uh, and they call last, it sweet or slow. Last season, for the puzzle challenge, you only got one guess. But the barrel challenge, you got to have two people. They changed it this time to where you get two guesses on the puzzle and only one person could read the barrel. So both tribes chose the puzzle. On the Vati tribe, Jenny definitely carried the tribe. Yes, um, I would say I commend her right off the bat. She was like, there's no way half of y'all motherfuckers got this right this quick. No, you about to work this out. Like, when she said, no, you don't have it yet, it just gave me flashbacks to, like, third grade in math when I thought I had all my answers right. And my teacher was like, no, go back. Mm-hmm. I never listened. Now, while the Vati and Taku tribe are tackling the triangle puzzle, I would have to say that Jonathan from Taku was actually very smart. He was like, half of us who are good at physical demand and half of everyone else who is good at uh, visual or direction, you guys do the puzzle and we'll start building the shelter. Yeah, that was actually a very smart move. That really was. Because, you know, of course we don't see it on the episode because Survivor no longer shows the survival aspect of the show. Um, 
I think definitely if they were given this option in the earlier seasons, it would drastically change the outcome. Anyway, because in some seasons you can see where one tribe that you would be like, oh, they would definitely lose for sure, but because they have a better camp set up, they end up dominating overall. About the outcome, um, what? What happened with the little road that piece of paper that the original three saw between it was Ty, Drea, and Nancy? Did they open that? They opened that flooding challenge, so it's basically each of them was given a medallion. So I'm assuming it's probably to resurrect Jeff Probst's failed twist that he forced to introduce in season 21 called the Medallion of Power. Mm-hmm. It was worthless. I only remember it because it's considered one of the worst twists done. Well, damn. It was useless. I think, I don't even know if it got used. And if it did, I don't think it changed the outcome of anything. But anyways, so it was one member from each tribe. Each one of them gets a medallion. So in order for these medallions to work, they have to join forces to use them. So if they decide to use it and all three of them are still in the game, it is an extra vote. Gotcha. And they have to, so by using it together, the three of them have to use it together. They have to agree. Gotcha. Okay. And then if there are only two of them left, then it is still your vote. And if there's only one of them left, it becomes like a mini battle. Okay. Oh, just a mini battle, basically. So not very good. Um, and it is good up until the final step. To touch back on that, I did like how Ty um, expanded. It's like this is like a complicated game theory, a game within a game kind of thing for that twist because it forces you to work with these people, but at the same time, you're basically plotting to take them out and you know they're doing the same. Now, later that night, Jackson tells a fire story and reveals that he previously applied to go on Survivor, but as a woman at that point. And it was 10 years before that. 10 years before that. And that was, I would say, that was honestly like one of the hardest hitting, I mean, of course, as LGBT as we are, it's a little bit hard hitting um, backstory. Um, parents not accepting, but at the same time, seeing that through a very tragic occurrence, your acceptance came. And also, I will say, I'm happy that I'm happy that they had that discussion about disclosing and like informing everyone else. But at the same time, um, as you said, you mentioned that due to their looking and problem, it was a steal from somebody else. Oh yes, yes, I agree. I think so. I really felt like. Jackson's story is very touching and it's very important to embrace all walks of human life. As you said, a member of the LGBT community, it's important that we see representation amongst all of the LGBT community. However, I will say his decision to not tell them that he was still on the LPM was selfish. I totally understand that he had planned to be weaned off of it, but he should have told them 
probably after four or five days of being out there because it went through two weeks of training and the alternates were still there. There's a boat that comes to each tribe and requests for one person to get on the boat. Marianne gets on the boat, Jenny and Drea as well, and they meet all together on another island that says, walk up this path to basically... The summit. Yeah, basically the summit. Now, Jenny was just like, well, you know, it's not going to be that hard. We got to walk up this little hill and we'll be back. Me personally, I would have been pissed the fuck off. Walked all the way up there just to walk back down. Yes, no. I would have been upset. They did this last season too, so I'm assuming kind of like the challenge for Flint at the first jump of the game. I think that this is going to be a staple too. Pretty much. It's kind of interesting because last season the people that went there all really chatted and bonded, had conversations. The girls, there was one mention of Marianne being perfect. You know, and then it jumped right into Marianne's monologue. And I will say, even if they did uh, have a girl-to-girl on that trip, the way that those cameras were getting every close-up, there had to be like points where just like, okay, you two stop. Marianne, we just need you to walk, okay? Yeah, just walk. Oh, you two girls, don't, don't, don't move. Thank you, thank you. Like, that's how close-up that shot was. So at the end of it, Drea and Marianne, they both risked their life. And Jenny opted to not risk her vote. And normally I would be like, especially in a 26-day game, that this was not the best decision. But you could tell by the way that she thought about it. She is definitely going to be a strategic threat in this game. Regardless of whether or not she didn't risk her vote. Because she was like, I know these two are going to risk their vote for different reasons. And yeah. she was like, I know they're going to, so I'm not going to. Yeah. And also, uh, Drea gave us a iconic line that I just personally felt, which was, I don't know them people. So now we get to the immunity challenge. With the immunity challenge, uh, as we all know, or if you are new to Survivor, uh, the players and the teams who win do not go to tribal council. And that is when a teammate gets voted off. Yes. So this challenge is like your typical standard first immunity challenge. It's usually super physical. And this is when you see where you saw a lot of players, they would like pass out, get dehydrated, get sick. They would get voted out early. Because it's like they give their all too early. Or it's just like their body's inability to adapt to starving and not having enough hydration. Basically. Being outside all day. Um, I mean, of course, the Kaku tribe, just like in the first challenge. You know what? I will say, even Lindsay was pushing her weight. She was. um, On Reddit, they were saying that apart from... Hercules or Jonathan. Most of the dudes are really small and the girls are actually more athletic than the guys. 
because you have Zach, Romeo, Ty. Um, Zach and Romeo have named themselves the Skinny Boys. Ty is very fit, but also very just thin. Mm-hmm. Um, but Daniel's not in the best of shape, but not in terrible shape. Mm-hmm. Mike's not in Mike's terrible is... shape, but not in great shape either. Uh, I would say Mike is honestly a little on the buff side, mm-hmm. um, along with Jonathan and Omar. Um, not in the best shape, but it is pretty good. But for the women, uh, so far, all of them are like pretty tough, and honestly, they have some muscle on them. Yeah, they do. I'm trying to think of Brittany, but I wasn't. I think Jenny's actually... a little bit thin. Jenny's a little bit thin, but I think Jenny is capable in all aspects of Survivor, but I think she'll be okay. Yeah. So, for this challenge, Taku, as we said, really hit the hit the floor running. Uh, right behind it was Ika and Fatu, but all in all, I will say... <gasps> Wait, no. Ika wasn't... Ika had struggles from the jump. They couldn't even have all together. Yeah. But I would say once we hit the shore was where we really saw Ika just crumble. They yes. could not get up that hill. Yeah. They could not. And also this immunity challenge is probably the only moment that I remember of Chanel her I trying to push the about it. She was doing a great job. She really liked pushing it, but the sounds that she was making just gave me labor pains. Like, oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure somebody on the next island was just like, hey, you want some Crisco? Is it a boy or girl? <laughs> um, I missed the I missed the memo. And the way that Jeff was just yelling, just like, come on, get that boat up there. I know, so obnoxious. Honestly, you I will was obnoxious. I I will honestly just say this flat out. Since Fiverr has returned post COVID, Jeff has just been cringy. Really? I that's why I quit watching last season because I found him so uncomfortable I couldn't watch. I don't know. The way that he yelled that one time just like, Come on, get that boat up there, let's go. My nipples got hard, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that's because she likes being degraded. All of the teams make it through the physical part of the challenge. Clearly, this challenge was designed for six people, but as you may have learned from earlier in our podcast, Jackson got removed from the game from the Tatu tribe, so each tribe had to sit somebody out. Um, so you can tell that even the Tatu tribe, who were just like dominating the water portion of it, they struggled a little in the part where you were just dragging the boat uphill and then like across a train. Basically, what was it like a, a net? Yeah, underneath the net. Um, but the Ika tribe really struggled the most. And, and they are up for elimination. Yes, they are. So once they get back to the beach, Immediately, um, Zach and who was the other one that was behind? Um, Swatting. Swatting, yeah. Um, you know, they were talking about how 
they hoped that doing the puzzle wouldn't get them eliminated, blah, blah, blah. You know, your usual, your usual, woe is me, I was on the puzzle BS. That every puzzle player probably has at least once in their survivor career. And Tori uh, quickly goes and addresses the rumors that has been brought up about the idol, and she asked Drea to talk privately. Which starts a tizzy for Zach because previously in the episode, after she returns home from camp, going off and wandering around looking for terror slash looking for the idol, um, <clears throat> Zach was the one that told her that the other contestants were talking about her looking for the idol, and she feared that he was going to get thrown under the bus. Mind you, that did not happen. That did not happen at all. Um, a little upstir has become very present in the Ether tribe as Drea is trying to persuade Tori that Roxroy, yeah, that Roxroy should probably be the one to go. He, at this moment, is dead weight. He made the shelter and he contributed nothing in the last challenge. And I can agree, he really was dead weight. And also, I would, personally, I know that he's going to be like a um, leader personality type, but... Also an early dude. He's probably yes. going to go home in the next three episodes. Like, the way that he talked to his teammates is very problematic, because it cuts directly to Roxroy. It cuts directly to Roxroy. Shit. Roxroy parental skills. Yeah, it cuts directly to his parental skills. But anyways, as you approach tribal, the players are much more blunt in these new seasons. I don't remember them being so forthcoming. Like, and I think the questions are blunt as well. They are, but Jeff is not holding back. He is just giving them L's left and right. And Tori just flat out is like, yeah, I know I'm a target. And she talks about how she knew better than to go wander off on her own. But she was just so excited to be there. And she was just trying to find food for the tribe. And I mean, like, come on now. We all know she was looking for an idol, too. Everybody knew. (laughs) Had the nerve to come back and just, like, immediately I felt that I was being targeted. And I had no idea why. Like, we are not clueless. Yeah. And, you know, it was really cool to see Zach use the shot in the dark because, like I said, I stopped watching after, like, episode four last season, so I never saw if anybody used it. And it was such a cool concept. And I definitely do think that he made the smart choice in using the shot in the dark because you have to give up your bow in order to use it. So he couldn't cast the bow, so there were only five votes cast. And it sadly went against him. Yes. He went home. I definitely think Zach had the potential to be such a good player because, like I said, instantly I was thinking of Adam Vine esque. I think just the simple fact that he decided to start unnecessary gossip because I'm like telling Tori that she is being targeted is something that you wait for the day of travel time. Exactly. Give her the least amount of time to intervene. Alright, well, R.I.P. 
Good night, bitches. Well, that is all for our very first episode of I Think You're Going Home. The tribe has spoken. Who has my keys to my car? I'm, I'm ready to go off this island. 